Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. A huge thanks to our sponsors for this episode. Manscaped, once again. Fantastic. The number one in providing precision engineering for the family jewels. And the Britney Spears. Yes. The Hilter. It does work. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They've got the Lawnmower 3.0, which is the best a modern man can ask for. Is that the ceramic blade? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we've tried it, haven't we? We've spoken about it before and we're still going strong. Yep. Smooth. Especially now the sun's out as well because, exactly. you know, they can get a bit sweatier, can't they, when the sun's out? Mm. Mine's never, it's never known it. It's always been a Filth, full that's what it's always now been. now the sun's out, it's like... <sighs> mm. I'm here. Yeah. I'm here. Everybody look like, at me, I'm here. When someone's, you know when someone's drowning in a film and they save them and they just come to top at water and they're like... <gasps> that's what it's like now. <laughs> <laughs> when the sun's dead. It's good for the, good for the skin. I don't know if you noticed. I used to get a bit spotty down there. After after I've had a shave, is that because of the? Uh, is I think that, is that because of the shaving, so. or is that because of the? I, have, I haven't nicked it once. Is that? Is that because of the company you used to keep? No, big thanks to to Manscape. It's uh, once again they've got the uh, the lawnmower 3.0, which has got the ceramic braid, which does all the the trimming. It's got the nose trimmer, and here, yes, and here in the uh, performance package, the weed whacker, the weed whacker. That's it. So if you get the performance package selection, you also get the boxes as well. The boxes are exceptional. Yeah. They, uh, what are yours yet? No, I've been oh, saving them for a special you, occasion. What? You'll, anniversary. <laughs> you'll never, honestly. Yeah, I'm not really a boxer man, but I, 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 do, I do find them really comfortable. You also get a travel bag as well, which is nice. You can keep it all in, take it off with you. Comes in handy. Mm. And, of course, there's the aftercare. Because once you've, uh, you've trimmed the old fella, you want to keep him in good condition, don't you? I use the wipes regularly. There's the crop preserver, the ball deodorant. You also get the wipes, like Chris mentioned, which uh, revives and tones the old testes. There's never been, mine's sometimes a bit wrinkly, but not with this gear. No. No. I would dare say I'd eat my dinner off my testicles after I've. <laughs> yeah. After I've. Uh, <laughs> I've seen them hanging, thought. you could use them as a bib. come <laughs> <laughs> in. After, after I've had a little, uh, little spruce up, I dare say I, I could eat my dinner off them. Oh. Can't get that. Oh, yeah, can you? What would you go with? Soup? <laughs> Soup in there? <laughs> Pull it tight? Just dip them in some B&M? <laughs> Chopstick noodle. 
throat, you could probably get a bit of a canopy now. We've all we've, we've got a uh, an offer, of course. As always. As always. All you've got to do is put in the code COSH20 at the checkout and you get 20% off. It's a fantastic offer. I must yep. say. And, you were, and that, the, the, the products are going to take a lot more than 20% off, aren't they? Mm. They're probably oh. going to give you 30% on the eye, you at, at the, the very least. It does look bigger, doesn't it? Oh. Please. No? No, I can't. No? I agree with, nah. You always can't have a side party. <laughs> you can always see it. <laughs> <laughs> Go for the old... Uh, the old Beckham, fuck, Beckham curtains. curtains, didn't you? <laughs> Downstairs. Just gives more room for the cabs to walk down. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, just putting the code cost 20 at the checkout. Like a cab you... catwalk. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll get 20% off. Itching. Itching that. Puzzling crab. <laughs> Carrie, Thank thanks you. for uh, thanks for having us. Pleasure, absolutely, Summer. absolute legend on the pitch, and for what you're doing now, off it. We've just had the we've just had the tour, haven't we? And I'd, I'd second that 100. percent I wish I was back on the pitch, but <laughs> legs, legs won't carry me. I'm afraid. Um, no, this is completely different, as as you see. It's uh, yeah, it's looking after 46 people, 48, maybe 50 people sometimes. Um, whereas as a player, you look after yourself and your teammates help you. As a manager, you look after the players that uh, you've got at your club. So this is completely different for me. Um, and all happened just by nothing I'd planned, just by chance. I was sitting at home one night, I live up in Trenton. I was sitting at home reading the, the local paper and there was a debate on about the number of homeless people in Stoke-on-Trent. Some people were saying there was a dozen. Other councillors were saying there was close to 100. Um, and I thought, well, I'll go and see for myself. So I jumped in my car, shot up to Hanley, uh, parked it in, I think it's Trinity Street, where the walkabout pub was and where the Royal Bank of Scotland uh, is still. I got out of the car and immediately saw six in a doorway. Uh, four Stoke City supporters, so I had no problem with any of them. <laughs> Two Port Vale supporters. Uh, all I did was argue with them the whole time I was there. <laughs> and then went across the road, and there was another couple of Stoke lads there, and it was a cold, typical winter's night in Stoke-on-Trent. The wind was blowing a gale, and, and I said to them, have you not got any better accommodation than this that you can go to? Um, and they said, no, this was the, sort of the best I had was the doorway. So I took the view that lots of people I'd met during my football career, and, and football does put you in the limelight as well, that I could go and call upon one or two people that I knew, ask them for a favour or two, and, um, and start up a homeless shelter. And all I intended to do was put a roof over somebody's head, in this case the people that I'd met, um, and feed them uh, and look after them. Didn't know anything about homelessness, didn't know how they got in those doorways. Um, and went to the council next day and I said, look, if you've got an empty building, you, you can give me, give me the keys and I'm going to open it tomorrow and get people off the streets and, uh, within time, feed them and clothe them and look after them. And, um, got 
got a building which is not far from where we are now and went in there. It wasn't great, but it served a purpose. And uh, we started four and a half, nearly five years ago. And uh, I'm still here. Um, met a lot of resistance, believe it or not. And probably because I met that resistance, um, I was more determined than ever to... More fuel to the fire. ...to make sure it, it would happen and, and we would look after people. From the council, resistance? No, no. Lots of rival organisations, if you want to call it that. There's, you know, somebody comes along who... Um, maybe they think can can make a bit of an impact and 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 set up and infringe on their property or, or or in their area of whatever they've been doing for years. I don't know why, but there, there was there was that resistance there, and because of it is is one of the main reasons why I'm still here because I was determined that um, that most of the the garbage I got was I was going to see my way through that and still be here. And I didn't know and what, how many number of years, but still be here um, a few years later. So how many pods are in here now then? Um, there's 48 pods in here. They're all full, probably bar one. Somebody went out yesterday. Um, and then what snowballed everything really is we had, um, and I still to this day don't know why they even knew we existed. We had FIFA come here and, you know, we all know FIFA's in Switzerland and, where Stoke-on-Trent is, and Hanley in particular, mm. I couldn't see how they got the connection and where they picked it all up from, but we had FIFA come and... Did they get the posh cups? Oh, yes. <laughs> Everyone gets the God. posh cups. <laughs> I was feeling special for a no. minute. <laughs> <laughs> Set drunk yeah. out of this. <laughs> uh, uh, and that snowballed everything. And then within the space of two weeks, the phone was going... Absolutely crazy. ITV, Channel 4, News at 10, News at 6, um, The Sun, The Mirror, and all the daily newspapers we've got. All the Sunday newspapers uh, were here. And um, I just assumed that that had the FIFA sort of interest had, had snowballed things to the way they got that couple of weeks. And, and still is, as a matter of fact, with Swedish television here, with Dutch television, with German television, French television, and all came down, all all came and, and looked at what we've got. And uh, like I'm talking to you lads today, had a word with them and spoke about it. And um, it caught the imagination of everyone, mm. let's say, the fact that we were looking after 46 people in, in those little pods we've got. And um, 46 people that most of the time are, are okay and give us very few problems. One thing I noticed just from walking around with you, that you can see that they respect you, but you can have the crack with, you know, it's just, it is just like a changing room in a way. Because yeah. you can take the piss out, you can take the mick out of them. You can have that crack. Can you work out which characters, again, using a changing room as an example? Yeah, it's just like which, a changing room. Yeah. You know who you've got in that changing room. You know what they're, what they're all about. You know what they're made of. You know um, if they can take a bit of, of a laugh and a joke. And um, yeah, it's just, it's uh, it's almost a changing room in here. It's a big changing room, and there's forty six <laughs> in there. <laughs> and uh, let's say it was football. I could only pick eleven, but in here I've, I can't pick eleven. I've got to pick, you know, forty six for everything. You must be so so proud of what you've done. Um, right throughout my football career, I went I went through my football career, and at the end of it, thought. Right, what have I done? And when I look back um, and thought, 
because to do anything, and especially in football, especially in football, you, you've got to be lucky. Hmm. You've got to have that little bit of luck that, that people <laughs> take to you as a player, that the managers who come along like you, um, that you stay clear of injury. And when I look back at my football career, I realised that everything had, had dropped into place for me. All right, I've got to do my part to make sure some of that happens. But there is a lot, a lot of being in the right place at the right time, having the right manager, having somebody that's, um, when you look back on your career, and it's only at the end of your career, do you look back and realise how good certain managers have been for you or how bad other managers have been for you. And um, not bringing it Celtic as a player was, was, I couldn't have asked for a better manager. I joined uh, as a Celtic supporter. I'd travelled on the supporters bus every week for two or three years as a youngster watching Celtic play, never won anything. Celtic never won anything, they were, they were hopeless. And uh, along came Jock Steen, and all of a sudden, everything changed. Uh, they went and won the European Cup. I need to remind, remind people, first British side ever to, win, <laughs> ever to win the European Cup was Glasgow Celtic. Um, won it in style, outran the opposition, which was an Italian team. Um, and Italian teams at the time were famous for being superbly fit because they used to get taken away at the mountains before every game and prepare, you know, in a hotel up in the mountains. Um, so when that happened with him, things got better and better for Celtic. Won the Scottish Cup, won the league, and and I still followed them. Then I, I I got spotted somewhere. I don't know where I got spotted as a as a youngster, but got invited up to Celtic Park for two days a week to train for two years. That was the that was the deal. Is if that want, not like a schoolboy a schoolboy agreement contract? Just... Uh, no, it's, I, I've got to say it's none of this academy bullshit yeah. <laughs> that we hear about nowadays. It's none of that. It was simple. Do you want to come to Celtic Park? Tuesday and Thursday night for two years, and then after the two years, we'll assess what we think of you. Jumped at the chance, obviously. Um, left school at four o'clock after we come out and jumped on a train to Glasgow, and then two buses to Celtic Park. Um, got there, then after training, back home again. Did that for two years, along with Kenny Dalgleish and, and Danny McGrain and, and lots of other youngsters who were coming through at the same time. Manager was every training session. As a matter of fact, he was standing at the door every training session in case you were late. He was big on timekeeping. And even though you'd bust a gut to get from school, train, two buses, if you were late, he'd let you Still know about it. it. So this Jock Steen then? This, yeah. The manager be, of the first team is at the under-14s training on the night? Every, every, twice a week he'd be there. This was, this was the future of, well, it was supposed to be the future of Celtic Football Club that he was looking at. So the manager should be there. Again, unlike this nowadays. Because that, that's like blown my mind a little yeah. bit. Yeah, it's, it's straight away reminds us of the type of manager Alex Ferguson was. He used to take a massive interest in these, I'm not saying he was at every under-14 session, but the young kids, the, the future of the club, he used to take a particular interest in. Glad you mentioned that, because Alex Ferguson was Jock Steen. Alex Ferguson worked under Jock Steen with Scotland. Uh, as a matter of fact, when the night Jock died at Cardiff, Alex was in the dugout with him. He was assistant manager. So having worked with Jock Steen uh, when Sir Alex came to Old Trafford, um, I probably didn't know what to expect. Well, I didn't know what to expect, but when I went down to the training ground on a number of occasions and, and looked out and seen him, 
that was Jockstein out there. Everything he did was Jockstein bawling and screaming at the youngsters, telling them this is good enough, that's not good enough, blowing his whistle and calling, training to a halt and saying, right, that was rubbish. Let's have you back at two o'clock. So everybody, this was un under Jockstein, this used to happen. He used to have to go and finish training um, as soon as he blew his whistle and said it was fucking rubbish. That's what he'd say. This is fucking rubbish. Everybody back to Celtic Park. See you all at two o'clock. So whoever was rubbish that had caused the break up of the trainer, he used to get it when he <laughs> He used to get it when we got back that'd in the dressing room. That'd have been room. me, that. <laughs> <laughs> fucking you again. <laughs> fucking you up all again. Why, you saying you used to get the blame for everything? Pretty much, I. <laughs> Pretty much. So, Steen, Sir Alex, uh, even the way he stood on the training pitch, even the way he conducted his training sessions, it was, it was Jock Steen. He, he had learned he was... He, he was as close to being exactly the same as Steen as you could probably get. And, and that, was, that was Jock Steen's management. Discipline, uh, commitment, uh, play to your strengths, work hard. Another thing that he was all about was um, no drink. No drink at all. That must have been tough for you, weren't it? No, <laughs> I've never been a drinker. Have you not? <laughs> never been for, a drinker. Most of the Scottish lads, I think, because that... Yeah. Most of Scottish lads like a drink, don't they? Whenever the Scottish lads come down. Yeah. Yeah, but the Celtic lads liked a drink, but you didn't get one. You didn't get a drink. He'd have kicked you out of the club. Really? Yeah. Is that just on club premises? or is No, that... no. No, obviously when they went home and did whatever they did when they were at home, he... He couldn't be in control but would it be of that. But it, would it be frowned upon if he'd heard, you know... Oh, if you come in stinking. Yeah, oh, in. oh, you wouldn't come in stinking. No, you wouldn't come in with too much alcohol. That's... Um, so all these, all these beliefs were there and everyone, everyone knew about it. Um, he was the boss as well. He was in charge. There was only four people at Celtic Park at the time that ran the place. You can imagine that nowadays. Is, yeah, jeez. <laughs> Yeah, I played in my first Scottish Cup final. And again, I was picked for the game when, don't forget, there's one substitute at the time. I was picked to be sub. Um, get there, we know what it's Rangers, we know the importance of the game. 138,000 people there at Hamden Park. 138,000 people, man. A bit like fucking Braveheart, weren't it? <laughs> <laughs> you had to be when you were playing Rangers or you, or you didn't get a game. And... Um, and you know the importance of the game for many reasons, but one of the biggest reasons is that normally if you're playing at the time, going back obviously to the uh, late, late 60s, early 70s, at the time you knew what your bonus was and your bonus made up your wages really. You got, <clears throat> my wage itself, it was £55 a week, but you got a bonus of £25 and it just, that was another half of your wages. Yeah. Yeah. It topped it up, it made it, a lot better to take home uh, to the family. But when you played Rangers, um, it was £500 bonus. Oh, bloody hell. Now, you'd have killed for that. That's nine times that's yeah. nine times your wage, isn't it? Yeah, nine times your wage. <laughs> Fuck it, I bet, I bet we're like Braveheart. It was. I bet wife <laughs> on your shoulders before a big game today. And on the, other case, today, on the other occasion, he'd increased the bonus to 750 quid. So, you know... You were. Football's lost its way, and all the money's up front nowadays. Before you even play, yeah. to fight for it, and and there's nothing to fight for compared to 
compared to back in those days. So there's a bonus on top of it. So you would really, you would, re, you know, you would, you would kill to make sure you went away with the bonus and your wages. But in this particular game, we were, we were winning one nil. We'd been away for four days at a training camp hotel on the seafront in um, in Seamill, it was called. So you prepared prepared for it. You did your training. You went to bed in the afternoon. Um, you got up at night for your dinner. You went back to bed. You really spent four days in bed, reserving all your energy apart from the training session each day to get ready for this massive game, which for all reasons, it was it was massive. Um, so we get to Hamden Park for this game and he's picked me as sub. I never had no idea why I should have been sub. Um, Build-up was the same. I hadn't played in the team um, in any big games. I'd played in league games, but any of the big games, like happens to most youngsters, you're not playing. Yeah. So he picked me as sub and bloody hell, I went away chuffed as anything that I was in the 12 and um, sat in the dugout for the 80-odd minutes and, and we were winning 1-0. I'm going to collect my Scottish Cup winners medal, and, and, you're, going to... and you're 750. And my 750. <laughs> and I'd be lying if I said that wasn't going through my head. Because no, I'd be lying because 750 at the time when you're getting 50 pound a week yeah. is massive. Rangers equalise. Two minutes to go. So right, sent the dressing room. It's <laughs> so we mobile phones back then. No, cancel that all your love. Cancel the holiday. Yeah. <laughs> no mobile phones. You're right. So um, right, let's. You know what's happening, and we didn't know what was happening, but with half an idea, we were heading straight back to the training camp. No mobile phones. Nobody phone. No anybody. Nobody would have dared even utter a word about. Well, I've got a family. Oh, so you were, so it was a replay. Like it, goes to a replay time. it goes to a replay on right. the Wednesday night. Right. So we're we're back to the camp. We're back there. Um so we go back to Hamden um for the Wednesday night game, the replay. Same crowd. Sorry, I think there was six thousand less for the replay. Because Scotland, you know, Scotland is football crazy yeah. at the time it was Celtic Rangers. And comes in half past six after we got off the team bus and go, here's the team, blah, 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 blah. And he picked me. He picked me instead of the centre forward who had played on the on the Saturday. Willie Wallace, his name was um, William Wallace. William Wallace. <laughs> <laughs> I get the brave heart connection now. <laughs> um, so he picked me, and, and I thought, "Fucking hell! Why has he picked me? I haven't played on the Saturday. I've not shown him anything." And um, went in the toilet, and I remember in the toilet. Um, thinking, fucking, why she picked me? And <laughs> go back into the dressing room anyway. We have the usual sort of bit of build-up about, you know what's expected, go and do it. You do this, you do what you're good at. And um, what what's in my mind is normally when he does pick somebody, they have an influence in the game and it makes it look as if Jock Steen is a, a magician. Do you think this could be my time? Yeah. Uh, pressure. Automatically, I'm thinking, yeah, this it could be me. Not pressure, because I'm thinking of the positive side of it that normally gets decisions right. And I can't understand, can't understand why he's made this decision. And um, why me? So anyway, um, go ahead. I get the opening goal, corner kick, little header at the near post, down into the back of the net, and the Celtic end of the stadium erupts, and obviously the other end is, is silent. Um, we go 2-0 up, penalty, 
little Jimmy gets brought down, we get a penalty, and then Rangers get a goal. And uh, but anyway, we win. We hold on. He win the Scottish Cup and um, got the winners' medal. Obviously, the money comes later on in the next. She <laughs> uh... misses on teletext. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Watching on the seventy-three pages go back. Put that Cotton Elsol love. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and that was that was throughout his career that he did things like that. Um, he's already produced me and and Kenny Dalglish and. There's probably seven or eight others waiting to come into the team. David Hay, who eventually played in England as well. And um, it co it continued right through his career. And of course, when Sir Alex comes to Old Trafford, it's the same pattern. Young Everyone's lads. terrified of him. He's the boss. You don't go in and you don't go in and challenge him. You don't ask any questions. Um, you don't have a, you don't have an opinion. Um, so I've, I've seen that in Sir Alex, and of course, I knew he'd been with Jock, and I just thought, well, over those years, he'd been with Jock as, as a Scotland number two. That's what's, that's what's rubbed off in his shoulders. Do you think Sir Alex would have had any influence on Jock as his assistant manager? Could have done. I'm not saying Jock I mean, I mean if Sir Alex had an opinion on something, you think he would have gone to him and said, I think we should do this, this, or would he just gone, fuck off? I think he might have just gone fuck off. <laughs> I think so. I think no, because they were both. I don't think many many people would have gone to Sir Alex and said, "Do this, do that." They might have, yeah, they might have suggested. And and at Old Trafford, I'm sure things cropped up that that um, that Alex did take on board. And without giving that person the credit for it, yeah. <laughs> um, maybe did did change a little bit. But together. That togetherness that they had with Scotland, uh, I saw the same. I saw the same manager. I saw the same, uh, same behaviour. Um, and of course, uh, Sir Alex at Old Trafford was was the boss. There was only one boss. Mm. Jock Steen at Celtic. There was only one boss. And um, I never thought I'd pluck up the courage to to go in and say to him. Um, um, boss, the, the money I'm on, which was this 50, I think it got to 55 pound. And uh, the money I'm on, it's, it's, it's not enough for me because um, I've just lost my father. I'm going to have to support my mother as well. Um, I've got a family on the way. Um, could I have any more money? And quickly he said, no, that was it. I said, well, just even something... <laughs> just please just a tenner or something and, <laughs> no it was a tenner because a tenner would, would have been a big deal yeah. and I'd have gone out of the office thinking I'd hit the jackpot <laughs> uh, and um, no no policy and we're not made of money son and this, I got it all so I said right and I had the courage I don't know how I plucked up the courage I, I said to him look I'm going to have to move I'm going to have to go somewhere else um, I was Celtic mad I didn't want to move anywhere I was hoping he would give me the yeah. tenner. <laughs> but he didn't. The stubborn bastard. <laughs> and uh, I come out and went home and told my wife, and she says, all oh, right, so where do we go from here? I said, well, we don't. I continue training, and if anybody wants to sign me, they come in and they sign me. And she said, is it that simple? And, of course, I didn't know any different. Mm. No agents around. No, nobody to bend your head about do this, do that. You were on your own. And, um, so you're just waiting for the phone to ring at home? You literally... You're just taking the word out of my mouth. I was waiting for the phone to ring at home. 
I was going to training every day, getting home, hoping the phone would ring. I can remember looking at it and saying, you know, come on, please, please ring. And it never rang. So the first time it did ring, picked it up, hello. And it was the manager. Um, get ready in the morning. You're going to England. He put the phone down on me. So, of course, the most vital thing I wanted to know was where am I going? <laughs> There's no way I was going to pick the phone up again and ring him back <laughs> because you just didn't do that. <laughs> you just don't do it. So my missus says to me, where are you going? I said, I don't know. She says, well, how do you, what do you mean you don't know? I said, well, he put the phone down on me. And she said, ring him back. I said, you fucking ring him back. I'm not ringing him back. And I didn't ring him back. And I waited for the car to come. And it came the next morning, um, picked me up round about, I think it was round about 11 o'clock, picked me up. Driver in the front, um, my reserve team manager who helped me become a player as well, a guy called Sean Fallon from from Cork. He was a great guy, um, very supportive all the time, never negative, bit different to Jock, never got uptight, never bawled and shouted. He was calm, he was cool. And I said to Sean, um, Sean, where are we going? He says, oh, he says, uh, it's more than my life's worth to tell you. <laughs> want to know where we're going <laughs> he said i've been told not to tell you how old are you at this point i am 21 right and i'm now heading for england not knowing where i'm going <laughs> that's mad. I've, I've only been in england probably four or five times in my life and that's been football related on the you know on the bus team bus to whatever it's been uh with scotland or scotland schoolboys. And, um, you must have been on a day out to Blackpool with, Sc with all Scottish crew. I've been to Blackpool once, <laughs> right? So I get in the car. didn't drink. So no point, is there? Uh, so I get in the car and, and I'm thinking, oh, um, go down, the, I think it was M74, it is, a dual carriageway, and eventually get on to another road. Once I get on to the other road, it's the road at Carlisle. So I see Carlisle and we're re re relief. We go zooming past the same thing. Another one the list. Ticking the, ticking the grounds and I'm off. Thinking, Bank foot. Yeah. It is then. Preston, Bank foot. It's exactly what I did. I get, and I'm thinking, where am I coming to next? Because I haven't been that many times. And then I see that the sign is what tells me where I am. I had no idea what, what was next. And That's I do, mad. I see Preston. I see Blackpool. Preston that way, Blackpool that way. And I go, again, Thank fuck for that. <laughs> and I get to um, Blackburn, something else and something else. All the teams in, in the, the lower leagues. Bury, they got Bury, wouldn't you? Yeah. yeah. All and, of them. And um, we turned off for Southport. <laughs> and I go, oh my God. They're not even on the list. <laughs> They're not even on the list. Yeah. <laughs> They're a non-league team. And um, I said to Sean, Sean, uh, Southport, we're not going to Southport, are we? Oh, he says, we are. But it's only to stop at the hotel for a bite to eat before we move on to the, the final destination. <laughs> it's like a, game, ball, it's it? like a game we're playing now. Yeah. And um, so again, we go into the hotel at Southport and we we'll bite to eat and we move on, jump in the car. And about 20 minutes, I don't know if it's 20 minutes, 20 minutes, half an hour later, I'm going through the gates at Anfield where Liverpool are playing FA Cup replay against Burnley. Those butterflies must have been going as you, oh, as you turned, turned off for Liverpool. 
After that's Tranmere, you're in it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Turn off, Chester. 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 When, the, when the indicator goes on. It's match day. It's, a, it's an FA Cup replay. It's match day. The place is buzzing. There's supporters all over the place. Obviously, mostly all Liverpool supporters. And I'm thinking, I'll be honest with you, I wasn't thinking Liverpool. I'm thinking Bill Shankly. Because he was another one, just like Jock. He didn't question. He was in charge. He didn't question. So I was I was shaking a little bit. And, and as much as I had to go now go and meet this football god who was renowned, especially in Scotland, because he was Scottish, was renowned as the best manager in England because we all looked upon our own in England as the best, yeah. whether it was or not. And, um, and his voice, his voice is in my head before I even meet him. You know that, I son, right? Yes, Mr. Shankly. <laughs> and when I did meet, oh, I was, I was, I was terrified. And uh, he says, "I've followed you for the last." Me and Jock are big pals. That started to explain it. You see, me and Jock are big pals, and and I followed you ever since you made your debut for Celtic. And I told Jock, if ever that little fella's leaving, I want him, which was a real, obviously, compliment to yeah. me because. Up front at the time was Keegan and Toshak. And midfield was all those great midfield players that they had back then. And um, I'm thinking, why does he need me? Where am I going to get a game in amongst this lot? Anyway, I go up to the director's box, take my seat in there to watch the game. And it's the FA Cup replay against Burnley. And of course, Liverpool win the replay um, quite comfortably 3-0. But... There was one seat in the director's box. It was empty. It was the seat to my left, completely empty. Uh, every, every other seat was full. But right on kickoff, Pat Creran came in, who was an ex-Celtic player, and at the time, assistant manager at, at Manchester United. So he came in, took his seat, seen me. I said, what are you doing here? I said, I'm signing for Liverpool. So he said, well, we never knew. We haven't been informed of it. We didn't know you were available. And of course, it's all starting to <laughs> drop into place with me now. Yeah, they wouldn't be. They wouldn't know I was available because I never seen anything in the papers mm. about me being available. Would Jock have sorted out with Bill? Yeah. Jock had way, sorted yeah. it out with Bill. I'd be smuggled down. Yeah. I'd go in there and sign. Might as well have had a bag over your head without <laughs> knowing where you were going. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I had no idea. I had no idea of what level of footballer people thought I was. So I never, I never seen myself ending up at Liverpool. I never seen what you just talked about there. I've been smuggled down because somebody else might have thought I was okay. I, I had no idea when I said I would leave. I had no idea where I could get a new job. Let's call it a job because it was mm. at the time it was your job where I could get a new job. I knew where I could get more money, which was England. Well, yeah, so I end up at Anfield. He's told me I'm getting £180 a week. And at the time, he told me something I wasn't aware of, that when you when you get transferred, the player gets 5% of the transfer fee. That was your, that was your little perk or, yeah. or bonus, if you want to call it a bonus. Um, so I plucked up the courage to say, Mr Shankly... Uh, do you know how much I'm getting transferred for? If I join you, what is the transfer fee? And he said, uh, yeah, it's 200,000, son. And I hope it's money well spent. <laughs> uh, all right, yes, Mr. Shankly. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm counting up exactly <laughs> 5%, which is 10,000 quid. I could buy a house. Next day, I could go and buy a house. Yeah. 
£10,000 when I bought your house in Scotland. So and I'm thinking, this is this is dreamland. This is all happening so quickly. So, but Paddy Crennan says, don't sign, we'll sign you. <laughs> and Manchester United. <laughs> and he was the assistant. I said, Pat, you're not the manager. He said, but the manager will sign you because he's picked you for Scotland. He thinks you're a, a great player. So this is Tommy Doherty now. And, um, right. But I've got a problem. I've got 90 minutes of football to watch. And then... I'm going to go and tell Bill Shankly <laughs> I'm not signing for you. Because <laughs> as soon as he mentioned Manchester United to me, and I knew Dennis was there, who I'd played with with Scotland. I knew George Best was there. I knew uh, Bobby Charlton was there. And I knew the team was, was poor at the time. And weighing all that up in my head, especially the three, three players that I'm talking about, mm. Best, Lord Charlton, I'm heading for Old Trafford. I'm not certain to get in this team that I'm watching just now. All these things were more in my mind in the 90 minutes than the, than the game itself. Mm -hmm. So I thought, God, I've got to go and tell him I'm not signing. And were you scared about, excuse me, were you scared about the reaction back in Scotland? No. I was scared about nothing except Bill Shankly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was scared of nothing except Bill Shankly. Um, and the more I knew and the more I'd unraveled that Jock and Bill being the closest of pals, and what Bill Shankly had told me, that all fitted into place. Why I got no phone calls, and then I got a last-minute phone call, and why I was smuggled down. It was to give Manchester United, or anybody else, um, no chance of signing me. So that annoyed me a bit as well, yeah. when I unraveled mm. what, what had actually taken place. Um, anyway, I ended after the game, and... Um, I did something I didn't like to do, which was not tell the truth. And I said to him, Mr. Shankly, I need time to think it over. Um, I didn't need any time to think it over. I was going, I was going to Old Trafford, regardless of what the wages were, regardless of what anything else was there. I was heading there because I thought I'd get in the team. I thought as much as I, I want to train with Best Law and Chant, which I did do, I wanted to be part of them. That eventually, you know, two two years from now or three years from now, their careers are going to be over, and I will definitely play if I don't get in to start with. Um, but there's not many players signed for Manchester United at Anfield. Well, I'm the yeah. only one. <laughs> <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the director's box yeah. as well. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I went back to the hotel. I can remember it as though it was yesterday, the Adelphi Hotel in Liverpool. I don't know where it is in Liverpool, but um, it was actually a little guy that drove me back, and that little guy was Bob Paisley, who Shankly had said, Bob, uh, take him back to his hotel, will you? And I thought he was the groundsman, Bob Paisley, because <laughs> I didn't know the backroom staff at Liverpool. And he came in and he looked as if he was just come off the ground, getting it ready for the game, after the game. And um, so he got in the car and he's driving me back and uh, wishing me all the best when I, when I signed for Liverpool. And uh, I just said to him, well, what's the manager, the manager Bill? Is, is, he as, is he as sort of ferocious as, as everyone like myself in Scotland thinks he is? He says, ah, oh, he's, he's worse than that, son. <laughs> <laughs> I was just finding out, out of curiosity and passed a bit of time talking to him while we're driving by. Anyway, he drops me off there, and the next day I get up and go across the road to the station, jump on a train, and go up to Glasgow where Tommy Doherty was. He'd been at some game in Scotland. And um, met him, went to his hotel, 
two days later, I was playing against West Ham and scored a goal and it had all started great. It all happened so quickly, but it just shows you how quick it can happen. But, um, but it turns out you must have been doing all right up in Scotland then, eh? Well, I know. Listen, the one thing, I made my debut for Celtic in a, in a league game, got a hat-trick. Come out of the dressing room, all the press lads gathered around me, like you would expect yeah. them to do. Next thing to come out is fucking Jock Steen saying, hey, no interviews with this fucker. All he's done is scored a fucking hat-trick. What you all? <laughs> he was in charge. But the, you know, the press lads quickly scarpered. Unlike today where, you know, everybody, you know, you're news to everyone, aren't you? Yeah. If anyone wants a... And if he, if he at the time read something in the paper about a player or the performance, the press would gather for the next press conference before a game and he'd walk in and say, he'd, he'd pick out the press guy who he'd spotted his comment, some comment at all, and he'd, he'd pick him out and say, hey, you. It was you that wrote that thing about, say it was me, it was you that wrote that little thing about him, wasn't it? And he'd say, yeah, it was. Well, fuck off now. <laughs> Get out of the fucking room and don't come back. <laughs> he was in complete control. It sounds a bit like fucking Adolf Hitler, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> no, that's the way it was. He was, he was the boss at Celtic's Catholic Football Club. You know, Catholics follow Celtic, oh. Protestants follow Rangers. We went to Dublin and um, we're in the dressing room before a friendly match against Bohemians or someone from Dublin. And a priest had managed to get into the dressing room and he was going round us all, shaking our hands and saying, hello, I'm Father so-and-so. Steen comes into the room and sees him and grabs him by the back of the collar. By the collar. Lifts him off the fucking floor <laughs> and th actually throws him out. Man of the cloth. Man of the cloth. Matter <laughs> you're man of the cloth. <laughs> throws you out the dressing room. And so it's, it sets the pattern, doesn't it? That you know what he's like. There's no, there's no ifs or buts. There's no could be maybes or anything. That's what's going to happen. And that was his management. That was, <laughs> that made him, um, certainly the best manager Scotland's ever had in Scotland. And arguably Scotland's best ever manager, along mm. with, again, along with Sir Alex. Who was a bit of a clone of him. Who was a clone yeah. of him, without a doubt. Was uh, it uh, a big culture change at Manchester United when you got, obviously, George Best, poster boy, you were talking about no drinking anywhere near the ground at Celtic and yeah, oh yeah, that was that was didn't last long though because for some reason the doc got rid of the three of them within six months. Yeah, they'd gone. He, he had a dislike for the three of them. <laughs> Maybe it was because there were three bigger names than him at the time. I don't know, but he, he we were all shaking our head thinking because unlike what people believe about George Best, for example, he was. A great athlete, great trainer. At the time, not a drinker of any significance at all. At the time, George's problems followed on when he went from Old Trafford to nowhere, mm. to America, to non-league football yeah. with Barry Fry and one or two others that I can rem I can remember. And it was maybe just the shock of all that he turned to drink. But before that. Worst fault, obviously, if it, if it is a fault, uh, women um, could stand in a, a nightclub and, and talk to women for four or five hours. 
lager shandy or half a lager would be probably maximum he would drink. But because he eventually turned to being an alcoholic, people associate that alcoholism with his football yeah. time as well. No, the George Best we've all seen on telly of taking five or six players on like he did one night or day at, I don't know if it was Northampton or somewhere, and beat them all and then put it in the back of the net. That was the, that was the athlete that was there. That was the yeah. body. That was the athlete that was capable of doing that. And um, that was the great player. He did it in the Champions League final or European Cup yeah. final, was at the time. Scored the goal that he wriggled in and out and put it in the back of the net. That's um, right, though. It's rarely mentioned that, what you've just said about him not drinking as much as a player. No, nah, he, he was... Because I, I straight away just assumed I that he, he was he just a drunk all the time. Yeah. No, no, everybody was... Everybody was everyone, everyone thought of that um, as being... His career. It wasn't his career. No. His career was being, and sad, it's forgotten, his career was being a great footballer. The thing that everyone should remember, I'm sure some people do, uh, is a talent beyond belief. He yeah. had he had everything. <clears throat> I know, know you were you were obviously you'd married and that when you came down, but there must have been lads who were just stood next to George Best waiting for his knockdowns. You know, the birds and that <laughs> in a nightclub. I'd have been stuck in like a fucking cheap suit. Have you done with that one, George? <laughs> Come on here, Petal. You know what I mean? It must have been, it must have been fucking bliss for well, I, lads. I can, I can give you a true story on that. We go to the annual, which is not an annual five-a-sides. Now, Daily Express five-a-side competition that used to be every year in London, and and you used to be able to pick up some extra money at it because it was well, it was always a sellout. And we used to send, you used to send about eight or ten people down um, to take part in, in this five-a-side competition. So we go down, George is, George is there, along with, I forget the rest of the team. So we get to the hotel, we're put into double rooms, and I'm rooming with George, first time I've ever roomed with him. So we're in there, competitions that night, and um, he says... Oh, I've just got to go out for an hour or two. He says, I've got an appointment with some Japanese clothing company. He says, and um, it's, it's quite a good deal for me. And it was something like £100,000, which at the time was, was madness. He says, but I've got a problem. He says, um, are you aware that I, I, I sometimes see Miss, uh, Miss um, Denmark or Miss, Miss Sweden, it was... <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes, and I said, well, yeah. I, I, yeah, I have, George. I says, um, he says, well, I'm supposed to meet her tonight, and she's coming here to meet me. And um, when she comes, just tell her I won't be, I won't be here. I've gone <laughs> for the night. So right, all right, George. And as you do, you just think, yeah, all right, I'll tell her. So anyway, <laughs> the fucking knock at the door about whatever it was, six o'clock, and open the door. And it's this Miss Sweden, Miss World, Miss Sweden, Miss World. And uh, fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> Did you jaw at the floor? <laughs> I've got to be honest, I was, I was speechless. <laughs> because he just left her to go and do a deal with some Japanese or Chinese clothing company. And, and he'd fobbed her off. And you thought, Wait a minute, George. And then you realise that he said, he said hundreds of these. <laughs> Ten a penny. Ten a penny, yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> 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 you got like Panini stickers. Not Miss World. Miss Sweden. Miss Denmark. Was it just like suddenly we're in and just goes, yeah. All right then. Just yeah. turns off and goes back to escalator. <laughs> yeah, and that was that was George's world. Yeah, that he he was having that many lucrative offers for whatever clothing or shavers or whatever, whatever, whatever. But he's also in the same bracket when it when it came to uh, you know the females. It was it was Miss World. It was. <laughs> And and all that must catch up on you eventually. But at the time, he was still capable of going in the team. And I think what killed it for the dock, I think one one home game, uh, I think he turned up at 20 past two or something. And I think after that, Doc made it, made his mind up that he was, he was, going, to, he was going to get See, it. Uh, uh, now, do you think as a manager, they'd just say, right, Turn up when you want. If you're going to produce what you do, do what yeah, you want. We speak about that a lot. Do you know, like... When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. So much pressure on managers now where you just think, I tell you what, let him fucking crack on. He's, at 3 o'clock, he's going to be incredible. We talked about Eric Cantona getting a bit of leeway. You've mentioned uh, Stoke. Ricardo. Ricardo. Yeah. Getting, Tarat, getting a bit of QPR. Tarat. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they'd all leave you nowadays, wouldn't they? Mm. If you, you know, if you didn't um, play ball with them, they would just leave. So, because... you, so you, but he said no. I'm not even bothered. It's George Best. Yeah, he said no, no, can't have it. Just thinking. I'm just trying to picture myself up in a hotel door room and Miss Sweden being stood outside. It. <laughs> <laughs> it's long gone for you, pal. <laughs> it's only a dream. It, it, never, it were never there. <laughs> Believe you, hugging me. <laughs> I might have got Miss fucking. There's uh, more to Miss, life than Miss Sweden. Miss Bosnia. <laughs> <laughs> Over 400 appearances for Man United. 401. 401. Yeah. Um, oh, my worst nightmare has just come out of pod two. Fucking hell. <laughs> it's certainly not with Sweden, is it? Come here. Fuck's sake. <laughs> right. Is that, right. that mistake? No. No. Hey. no. Give me here. Give me here. He, he knows what I'm going to say. I do know what he's going to say. He's a fucking... If you want anything, you want to put an order in, he'll have it back here in five minutes. He's stuck fine as shot. He's fucking quick. He's quick, honestly. You couldn't get his Amaz ice cream, could you? <laughs> so, do you always, you always had management in mind after retirement? No, no. I, um, I didn't plan anything at all. So just like being here today, I never planned doing anything with homeless people. Um, it, it just happened that I was finished and first day back of the new season for training, I realised I wasn't going back training. And that was a bloody shock because yeah. I've been doing it for 11 years at Old Trafford and it's a bit of a shock to you when 
you've done something for 11 years, same routine, yeah. getting ready for pre-season training by training yourself before it. So why, did, why did you finish? Just old age? I, just... Um, I was 34. Um, I knew I could go somewhere and, and play somewhere else mm. uh, at a lower level and wasn't sure how that would work out. And then uh, I did. I, I went to Swindon and started off as a, as a player manager. And then by the time I came to Stoke, I'd been, I'd, I'd been at Birmingham, um, and I'd been at West Ham, and that was the that was the way forward with most clubs. Then, did you bring your your strict fitness regime to your management? Oh, or from day did one. You carry a bit of job with you. Yeah, from day one. Um, if you speak to anybody wherever I've been, and and ask them something good about me you might not get an answer to that <laughs> ask, them, ask them something bad about me they'll all say fuck me did he work us he had to work and work and i started that swindon and we had a season of of uh we started off when we got promotion the first year we started off terrible we had about four points out of about five games um things got better and we got better we got promotion and in your first season as manager? In my first season, sorry, my second full season at Swindon. When right. I went there, season had started, a few right. games. Okay. Second season, we got promoted. Got promoted again the next season. And the way we got promoted um, was we ran everybody off the pitch, especially the bigger clubs, because I quickly found out that they probably weren't training as, as much as the big clubs because they believed in their ability. And we knocked out Chelsea, West Ham, Sunderland, all these teams out of the League Cup it was at the time. I suppose um, that's the thing. If it, it, obviously, you're going from Man United to, to Swindon in what would have been, well, League Two now. And no matter what your ability, you can still be, the, you can still be as fit as them players mm -hmm. at Man United. Yeah, yeah. And, and you can still achieve what we, we achieve with hard work and, and um, you know, the dedication that they... They did show and they had to show it because I'd have fucked them all. I'd have would have, yeah. Me and, me and Chris have watched Marvelous. Um, and if you haven't seen anybody who hasn't seen it, it's an incredible film. Yeah. Could you just tell us the story? Basically? Again, I didn't. I didn't. You can't plan a film. I didn't plan. I didn't plan that meeting with Neil. Um, that actually happened. Well, everything in the film happened, but in different different circumstances. And and I got I got the job at Stoke, and um, you see it in Marvelous. There's a little, put, probably eight or ten people there when I arrive at the ground, and they're singing whatever songs they're singing, and they're welcoming me there. Um, that was true. I went into training. It rained all it rained all day, and when I come out, there was only one guy left standing there because the rest had pissed off home because it was <laughs> pissing down the rain, and the, that person was Neil. And um, first thing that attracted me, and it's it's it would attract anybody, was his was his voice. You know, he come up to me and goes, "Hey, you're the new man you're at Stoke, right? Yeah, <laughs> I'm wishing you all the best." He had one of these talk through his nose nose uh, voice, and I went, "Fucking hell!" <laughs> so then I said, to him, <laughs> "Then I said to him, uh, what are you doing here? It's pissing down the rain." So he said, "I just thought I'd come and welcome you to Stoke." So I said, "Well, that's." Nice of you, pal, but it's pissing the rain. Get yourself home and get ready for work on Monday. So he says, I haven't got work on Monday. 
So I says, why not? He says, I've just been sacked. And I, so I said, oh, fucking hell, what would you get sacked for? He says, um, I complained about my wages. I said, and I said, to your boss? And he said, yeah. I said, well, he can't sack you about complaining about your wages. Oh, he was a right bastard. Um, when, you, when, when I got in the ring with him, um, and I thought, when you fucking get in the ring with him? <laughs> I thought it's something to do with boxing he's talking about. I said, what are you on about? He says, um, oh, it's the ringmaster at the circus. I was a circus clown. <laughs> so I burst out laughing. <laughs> I said, sorry, fucking, oh, you don't mind I said, but I've never met a circus clown before. That's what I said. I've never met one that's been sacked <laughs> because it's not one of those high profile jobs that you're worried about getting sacked. And I said, so, um, he said, oh, yeah. So in the moment I'm standing with him, I'm thinking, if I can't, how can I help? Is there any way I can help him? And well, I thought, he hasn't got a job. And I thought, well, how can I fucking help him? And I, I just, on the spot, and my mind told me, take him on and use him in the dressing room as the, for the banter, for the laughing and officer. joking, because that's what he's done all his life. Yeah. He's ran around the fucking circus ring, making faces at people. And, <laughs> So I said to him, right, how would you like a job with me? He said, what do you mean? I said, well, you haven't got a job. And he said, no. I said, well, how would you like for work, work for me at Stoke? I said, who do you support? He says, Stoke. I'm Stoke mad. So I said, right, you want to come and work for me? Doing what? I said, well, let's just, do you want to work for me? And he said, yes. So I said, right, nine o'clock Monday, see you. Jumped in my car on purpose and pissed off. I left him with that, see you on Monday. Now, over the weekend, I thought, I wonder if he'll fucking turn up. <laughs> oh, 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 what have I done? Oh, yeah, what the fuck have I done? No, I realised I was going to use him in that dressing room for when you got beat, when you did this, when you did that, the, the not-so-good moments at a football club, of which there can be plenty. And I'm going to bounce off of him, like you can bounce off a of little Mickey there. And with the banter, it can lead to Instead of people moaning about no fucking drink, it can lead to a bit of banter, a bit of laughing and joking. So anyway, nine o'clock Monday, he fucking turns up. Is it having his lion wham, did it? He turned up with Aslam. Right. You start at 10. He says, doing what? So I says, you're the new kit man, right? He says, so he says, how do you do that? I said, it's a piece of piss for you. You just make them laugh, make them happy. You put out their kit, you bring it in, you clean the boots. You're the ideal man for the job. You're going to be my biggest ever success. I said with tongue in cheek, because I'd been around the country, got a lot of players in, sold them for a lot of money compared to what they cost us. And I said to him, you're going to be my biggest success. And I thought after, why did I say that? Because... <laughs> Nothing can happen that can lead to him being my biggest success. <laughs> you, can't get a move, you can't get a movers kit, man. Yeah. Can you really? yeah. <laughs> so, so I, threw, I said, get in the car. So we shot up here to just over the road there, costume shop that sold all the fancy dress costumes. <laughs> so I got him a chicken outfit, right? So I got him the chicken outfit with the big head, the beak, and the chicken feet and everything. So he says, "What's this for?" I said, "You're going to get in that dress room at ten o'clock, and I'm introducing you in the chicken outfit." as our new kit man, right? And I'm going to watch what the reaction is around the dressing room. So I get them all dressed up, 
chicken outfit, big beak out there, uh, feathers, those is it feathers you call them up there. And he looked he just looked like a fucking chicken. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good outfit. Yeah. <laughs> what do you want me to say? He says, I said, I'm just going to introduce you, who you are. You don't need to really say anything, but just say anything. Because, Neil, when they hear you talking, that'll be enough like it was with me. He's going to say something. And because it's that sort of strange way he talks, way he talks, he's going to get a rea reaction. So I go into the dressing room. I've got him outside. I said, "Right, lads, got a new kit manager. Just going to bring him in." So he comes in the door, <laughs> and right away I can see them all going, "What the fuck's this?" <laughs> he came in like that, <laughs> bobbing his head. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck's happening here? So I said, "Right, you might be wondering what's happening here, but this is what's happening. He's the new." Official, and I may um, boosting it up a bit. The official, he's the official kit manager. And you want, he's your man. Go and see him. <laughs> so they're all, fucking hell. <laughs> so I said to him, Neil, just say a few words to the lads. And he went, aye, right. And he, he threw his nose this was. It didn't matter what he said. They were all just fucking. That <laughs> 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 <I> cunt. <laughs> so, so I said, right. And he calls me home and he goes, hey, boss. So I call go away. He says, I'm starting to sweat with this chicken head on. <laughs> so I said, all right, lads, introduce you what he's really like. Took the chicken head off, right? <laughs> so they've seen him for the first time without the chicken head on. So uh, after the meeting's over, the captain comes to me and says, is this, is this fucking true But the, the geezer there? He says, well, how can he be the kit man? What's he got going for him? I said, he used to be a fucking circus clown. <laughs> <laughs> so, of course, but Vinny Overson, he liked it. He started laughing. I said, there you go. All I've said to you is he used to be a fucking circus clown. <laughs> and you're fucking laughing. He said, well, what's he going to do? I said, well, when we fucking get beat 4-0 with somebody, I'm going to throw him into the dress room and he's going to fucking tell you what he thought of the performance. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what we did. <laughs> Times like that. Neil, go ahead and tell him what you thought of the performance. So you go ahead and go, Fucking shocking. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> after some of those events, they said, right, you, you fucker, we'll get revenge on you. So they used to do some terrible things, some like lock him in the sauna and put a fucking broom across the where the door is so he couldn't get out. <laughs> and, and he used to shout from the sauna to me in my office where I was way down the corridor, boss, and he'd be going, boss, boss. <laughs> it worked. He's a big eater, by the way, a big eater, and loved his food. So on a Saturday, my food used to get brought into the office about 10 o'clock, uh, sorry, 11 o'clock, and um, he would always appear at like 5 past 11 and come in and say, um, what trainers do you want today, boss? Just because he knew the food was there. <laughs> Take a sandwich. <laughs> so, so I knew, I said, you know what fucking trainers I want? I've only got one fucking pair. <laughs> and he used to be the guy that put them out, you see. So I knew what it was all about. And I said, hey, give me a bald one. And get stuck in. So he'd sit there and fucking eat away and all that. And I just detected without really knowing it, without really having witnessed it rather, that he was going to be loyal as well. You know, really, really loyal. So I said to him this Saturday when we were playing, we were playing Port Vale actually at Victoria Ground. I said to him, hey, Neil, you know that fucking George Andrews? Who's the local commentator at Signal at the time? Um, fucking slagged the team off last week and I made out I was really raging. None of that had happened, but he wasn't listening to the radio because he was with us. 
I said, he's fucking slagged the team off fucking badly last week. I said, if you fucking see him, let him know how I'm feeling. So it goes away. And I, I think nothing more of it after that. Anyway, George Andrews, two hours later or three hours later, comes to get his match day ticket because he's reporting for radio, either Signal or Radio Stoke, and come to the desk to pick up his ticket. Little did I know that he was there waiting for him, right? <laughs> Grabbed him, took him into Neil's laundry, bound and gagged him, <laughs> right? Tied him up behind a fucking chair, right? And I had no idea any of this had happened. Got him, boss. He'll let me say no today, boss. <laughs> right. So I'm in the fucking dugout. And he's, in, he's in the, he all sat behind me. And all he did during the game was trump and fucking, then I'd, I'd look around and everything all right, Neil? Yeah, fine. And he'd have a big fucking pie in his mouth. <laughs> and gravy dripping down his fucking... <laughs> Yeah, f- fine, boss, fine. <laughs> so, I got, so the game started 10 fucking minutes. Stuart comes down and says to me, uh, Mr. McCarry, um, George, uh, George Andrews, who uh, does the commentary, um, they can't find him. <laughs> Have you any idea where he is? He's gone missing. <laughs> Radio stalker uh, without a commentator. <laughs> so, so I says, no, I haven't got a fucking clue. What should I fucking know about it? I'm playing Portvale. It's fucking, you know, do or die. You must win the game. You know what it's like in Stoke. And um, next thing, he pokes me in the back <laughs> and goes, hey, boss, <laughs> he's, in, he's in my laundry. <laughs> what do you mean he's in your fucking laundry? <laughs> so he says, he's in my fucking laundry. I bound and gagged him. <laughs> so I said, are you fucking joking? By this time, you know, the game's going on. I'm, he says, No. <laughs> I said, well, you better fucking go and get him out of here. <laughs> so I sent somebody with him, and somebody with him took a picture of George in the chair, <laughs> bound and gagged, which we still got. And um, he comes back He comes back to the fucking dugout. That's it sorted now, boss. So, of course, I'm now back to the football and completely forget about him. And um, game's over, and I'm in my office thinking, fucking hell, this and that with the game. And then I think about what he's just done. And I thought, well, that was my fault because I just hyped it all up about him slagging the team off. But that was his little show of loyalty that he would go to those lengths to protect <laughs> me. Kid- kidnap. <laughs> <laughs> to protect me and the team. And, uh, and of course, that's the, that's the way he was. Um, that's the way he was right throughout his time, his time with us. And the commentator... Find the funny side of it. Was he all right? Oh, he was all right. Yeah, yeah. he was George. He still he still does the commentaries now, George, and he still got the picture and he still shows me it. Um, but of course, back then everything was a, was a lot more relaxed. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to get in the ground, for example, you strolled out in the ground and you got your ticket and you asked for another couple of tickets or somebody would come and ask me for some for somebody. But now it's all you know. There's fucking <laughs> security everywhere. Mm-hmm. There's Players don't speak to anybody. They're, they're <laughs> That's because they don't want people getting kidnapped. That's, <laughs> it had to change. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know when you... Because uh, there's an interview on there when he when he stood behind you. Yes. Before that, did you word him up and go... All I did was to, uh, get the kilt on, yeah, because we were signing 
if you, you haven't seen it, we were signing a new player from Scotland who I, I said in the interview, a bit out of condition. I said, but we'll give him time, let him find his feet and see how he goes. So they asked me, what's his name? And I said, well, I don't, I'm not happy to reveal his name. But I'd planned it so Neil walked out with this big belly, which he's got huge, <laughs> working like that, with a kilt on and everything. But what I didn't know he was going to do was lift the kilt up, <laughs> right, and start wiggling his... Um, a bit, out of, a bit out of condition. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so everything after that, we sort of planned... Not, not, not say planned together, because he didn't really plan anything, but <laughs> on away trips, I'd come with a costume and say, Neil, Bournemouth today, get that fucking costume on. <laughs> <laughs> Took him to Hartlepool and a uh, lovely posh hotel. And when we got in the hotel, uh, I went to the manager. I said, look, could you lay things on tonight? We've got a special person with us. And he said, oh, who's the special person? I said, it's a lord. So I made out Neil was a lord. He was Lord Baldwin of Keel, and um, he had to have special treatment. So we dressed him up that night, top hat, tails, everything. And uh, I said, right, lay it on thick tonight, Neil. You are Lord Baldwin from Keel. <laughs> so we went down to the restaurant, and all the waitresses are swarming around him. Cigar box at the end. <laughs> lord Baldwin. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> and it worked. It worked every every match. We did something that made made it fun, and I'm a great believer in that as well. Because my funniest ever manager was my worst ever manager, Tommy Doherty. He was my worst ever manager in terms of football, football knowledge, fucking this, fucking that. useless. Be fucking funny. And people dismissed that as as an asset. But I think they quickly found out at Old Trafford that being funny um, was an asset because after him came Dave Sexton, who was dead serious. Very serious, Dave. Lovely man. Dead serious. Tactical. Oh, nobody, you know, nobody laughed or spoke, said to him when he was talking. All that, you know, garbage. But, and the doc was the very opposite. Very opposite. Getting that dress room at two o'clock, he made you laugh. Right you saw the benefits in that. You saw the benefits in that. Yeah, the benefits are an asset. He's, yeah. That's his asset that he can... At two o'clock, you go into the referee's room with the captain, if you're the manager. You go into the referee's room with the opposition manager and the opposition captain. You go in with your team sheet. You hand it in to the referee. He gives your team sheet to, say, Man City. He's got the Man City team sheet. He gives you their team sheet for you to take back to your dress room they pin it up on the wall so the players can see who they're playing against, right? Tommy Doc, every week, and we all knew it was coming, but it was fucking funny. Used to come back in with the team sheet, instead of pinning it up for us all to see, rolled it up in a ball and volleyed it into the fucking bin and said, they're fucking rubbish. That was it. Until you went and warmed up, you didn't know who they could be. <laughs> the first time you seen they. Because <laughs> he screwed up the team sheet, volleyed it into the fucking bin, and said, the fucking rubbish. <laughs> uh, the chairman of the, ch the club, Louis Edwards, Doc used to use a lot of rhyme rhyming slang uh, on his day-to-day -day management. So you had to sometimes work out who he was talking about. So anyway, whenever Louis Edwards come in, multi-millionaire, owner of Manchester United, but the doc had him like that. 
because the doc was funny. Louis Edwards liked funny people. So he'd walk in, Louis Edwards, and Doc would go, oh, stand to attention, lads. Big Chop Suey's here. Big Chop Suey rhymed rhymed with Louis, right? (laughs) So that's how he introduced the chairman of Manchester United. (laughs) Big Chop Suey's here. (laughs) (laughs) Funny. (laughs) Funny. And he did it every fucking week. It was funny. (laughs) Which which gets me... which gets me to this modern day, everything, as you can imagine now what I've told you, everything annoys me because I've had the best time of my life with the best players that I could have. It's not a player today that I would put in the same bracket as any of the rest of them Yeah. way back then. Everyone <laughs> from back then was far, far better than any player nowadays, any player. There's a, another great scene in the film. You know, when he, when he puts all the players' underpants on. Oh, yeah. Well, that did, did that happen, happen as well. Yeah. That happened, and um, we were playing at Tranmere, um, 12 o'clock kickoff back then when you didn't have 12 o'clock kickoffs. Everything was 3 o'clock, but Liverpool were playing at home at 3 o'clock, so they brought the uh, kickoff forward. So we get there and get in the dressing room, and out the players go, and they come. In the warm-up, in the banter, Martin Carruthers, who played for us. Gandhi. Um, Big Gandhi. Yeah. Um, was boasting about... He'd just been to Manchester and bought a pair of underpants, silk underpants, boxer shorts rather, that cost him something like 70 quid. And of course, the first reaction from everyone in the dressing room, in the dressing room at Tramway was, oh, fuck off, you know, yeah. uh, you must be getting too much wages and all this and all that. So they go out, do the warm-up, come back in, they're ready to go out, and out they go. So I said to Neil, Neil, get your stuff off, your tracksuit, because the big guy, Neil, is like the Michelin man, right? <laughs> Huge, get your tracks at bottoms off, get, get and get Carruthers' underpants on, right? And sit in the dugout for 90 minutes, <laughs> tr- trumping, eating, <laughs> <laughs> everything. All right, boss, as usual, it was always all right, boss. <laughs> so he, he gets Carruthers' underpants on and he's got them there. And he's, I said, Right, let's see your best today, Neil, as much trumping as you can, <laughs> bit of gravy down there. <laughs> So before we went out, I said, as a matter of fact, Neil, get everybody's underpants on, right? <laughs> this is the whole team, because they've all been laughing about Carruthers. So he puts, he's got 11 pair of underpants on, and Carruthers is 12, that's including the sub. So he's got them on, and he fucking comes down the tunnel at Tranmere. He's, he's big at the best of times, but he's outstandingly huge, because he's got 12 <laughs> pair of fucking underpants on. <laughs> you can tell right away. So... Uh, Complete coincidence, we win 1-0, Carruthers scores the winning goal, right? You know what it's like, you score the winning goal, you're fucking, you're in there, a bit cockier than everybody else. Um, and after the game, Carruthers, oh, I pulled you out the shit again today, lads, and all that. It's appropriate, he said, pulled you out the shit. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's under pants and right next to Neil's arse. <laughs> so, in they go into the tub, and um, they're all in there, giving it all that. Again, it must have been because he was bubbling. Carruthers gets out the fucking bath first. And what's the first thing you put on? Your fucking underpants. Can't put your trousers on before your <laughs> underpants, can you? So he goes in for his fucking underpants and they've gone. So he goes, I remember it as so it was yesterday, he goes, some scouse bastards nicked my underpants. <laughs> <laughs> so the reaction from the rest of us, they're all fucking laughing their fucking heads off. Little did they know. 
None of them had done the bus. <laughs> so Big Vince Overson, six foot fucking six, he gets out of the bath. <laughs> Some scouse bastards get <laughs> as well. So one by one, they get out of the bath. They've all gone. So I said to Neil, get in the toilet now, down with your trousers, tracksuit bottom off, and just walk in with a 12 pair of underpants on and stand in the middle of the dressing room. <laughs> right. So in he goes, out he comes, he stands there. And Carruthers is the first to look and sees these 12 pair of fucking underpants. I think Vinny grabbed them and fucking shook them or something. <laughs> and then one by one, they all fucking banged his head. <laughs> <laughs> And I told them to do a strip tease with a 12 pair of underpants, like one off, throw it up in the fucking air. I guess about six pairs off. And Carruthers goes, mine better not be where I think they might be. Because <laughs> she's next to his ass. <laughs> so, so, two to go, one to go. Ends up with Carruthers' on. And that, that worked as well. <laughs> <laughs> now, little did I know that fucking whatever number of years later, I would get a call from a film fella who's phones me and says, want to do a film on you and Neil about your days at Stoke? And I said, what about a fucking days at Stoke? Because I just regard it all just as banter, just you know? Normally. Normal stuff, you know? <laughs> and he says, well, are you telling me all the stuff that went on is, was normal? And I said, well, give me some examples. And he picked up what you've picked up. And I said, well, no, it wasn't exactly fucking normal. I said, but, <laughs> but we did it, because, and I did it because of this and that. He said, that's what I want to do a film on. So I thought, this is a fucking wind-up. Somebody's getting me back for a wind-up <laughs> I've played on them fucking 10 years ago. So um, anyway, he said, I'm coming back to speak to you again. Came back to speak to me, and I gave him some more details and about um, um, fish fish thing we did which didn't make it it didn't make it onto the film and I realised after why it didn't make it we went to Italy for Anglo Italian Cup and we're in a hotel with a big fish tank in the middle of the hotel where you went and went restaurant at night picked your fish if you wanted a fish banged it on the head cooked it for you and brought to you right out of the tank so um, we're in this hotel and he likes his fish nails. He, uh, <laughs> of course, he does. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He went, uh, he was the battered bit zandry. He went up and got his fish and brought it back and went, "Oh, that was lovely, 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 lovely." And um, so he went to bed, and I got the key to his room. So I got I got one out of the tank and got the fellow to knock it on the head, obviously kill it, and uh, took it up to his room and put it on his pillow next to where he was sleeping, right? So I faced it to his face of the fish, faced it towards him, put it there. <laughs> so I knew the next day there'd be a reaction from him. Anything like that, he would love because it's a story he's got to tell, <laughs> right? So comes him and have breakfast. I see him at the breakfast. I see him at the door and he comes, hey boss. Guess what I slept with last night? <laughs> so, of course, I know it's a fish. So the only thing I'm not going to mention is a fish. <laughs> so uh, I says, um, an elephant. And he went, oh, don't be silly, boss. And then I mentioned loads of things, and he went, no. So he thought he got the better of me because I couldn't tell him what was in his bed last night. Because it was me it's fucking put it there. <laughs> and um, one by one, when the players come in, he, he went, hey, Clegg on. 
guess what I slept with last night? And he would click on and say, well, fucking won't be a woman, would it? Fucking if somebody else would say something derogatory. And one by one, they were, they were saying a giraffe. And like, you know, fucking giraffe. And I'd tell in a room. And uh, this was going on all day. And we were training that afternoon. And he says to me, I've got them, boss, haven't I? No, 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 I'm going to get it. They don't know. You don't even know, do you? And I said, no, I don't fucking know. I wish you'd turn up and tell me. No, I'm not telling you. So we go training and um, he's he's been round them all saying, oh, can't get it, can't get it. Oh. So we finished training. I said, right, that's a good session today, lads. Neil, do us a favour. Put them out of their misery. Tell them what you slept with last night. But by this time, I'd told them all it was a fish. So he goes, yeah. I slept with a fish. <laughs> and they all went, you lying bastard. I started kicking fuck out of them. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm telling the truth. They knew it was the truth. <laughs> so he said to me, hey, that went down well. <laughs> They'd all come over and had a kick at them for lying. <laughs> so once again, it fucking works. <laughs> <laughs> He's coming up here on Friday actually because there's a there's a homeless film crew uh, going to come and do some filming about homelessness and use this as a as a bit of background I think as well as filming some homeless people and I've asked could I get him up and I said yeah he'll come up because he'll go anywhere with his food. <laughs> <laughs> no, he'll sit here. He'll be here sitting where you are on Friday. And he'll be just getting fed by the staff <laughs> till about fucking midnight. <laughs> but everything, I, everything I'd want in them, fucking, it was there. Yeah. I made him sub at Villa Park in Gordon <laughs> Cowan's testimonial, right? So he's on the bench, stripped, ready for action. And everybody's saying, every, I could hear all the players saying, he'll never fucking put him on because he's fucking... 25 stone, couldn't <laughs> fucking move, can't play, can't trap a ball. He'll never put him on. So the more I heard this, I thought, fuck it, I'm going to put him on. As soon as I get the fucking chance, I'm going to put him on. So then I said to him, jokingly, I said, Neil, go and get warmed up. And he could hardly fucking move. <laughs> and all the stock crowd, we were about 4,000 there that night, but Gordon Cairns' testimonial, fucking all started chanting, we want Nello, we want Nello. <laughs> the whole crowd together. I thought, fuck it, I'm going to let them have him now. <laughs> so, get stripped, Neil. So he gets stripped and uh, so play up front, get a goal or two if you can. He <laughs> could hardly walk on the pitch, couldn't <laughs> run or anything. So um, I said, go and get warmed up one more time. So I sent him behind the goals where all the Stoke fans were. And they were all going mad. They were going fucking mad. Seriously. <laughs> Nello, Nello, Nello. Every chance you could get. So eventually I unleashed him. And I, I told... Uh, I think it was Clegon come over and said, where do you want him to play, boss? I said, fucking just leave him up front. But tell our lads, Cleggy, first corner we get, and tell the Villa lads, first corner we get, leave him in the box, use all disappear out of the box, roll the ball across the face of the box, right? And let him get it and score at Villa Park. That to him would have meant more than yeah. the world could ever give him. And um, got a corner. So I look out and I see all our lads fucking... Talking to the villa lads, same thing. Get out. Box is empty. Take the corner, roll it across dead slow so he can control it. So he's got no problem doing that. We've got him six yards from goal. 
So it's a perfect certainty for even for him to find the fucking back <laughs> of the net. <laughs> and this turned out, this worked a treat as well, but we didn't plan it. We forgot to tell one of our team, who was called Tony Kelly, who, as the ball's rolling across dead slow, didn't understand the instructions, walked in, got the ball, and smashed it in the back of the net. <laughs> <and six yards. laughs> And then what was to follow was even better <laughs> after the game. Um, you've ruined, this is Neil to him, you've ruined the best day of my life. <laughs> I was ready to smash that in the back of the net. You stopped me scoring at Villa Park. You've done this, you've done that. And to this day, if you ask him, what's your worst moment ever, Neil, in football, he'll tell you. Philippa, <laughs> Tony Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> and then we couldn't have planned it. We, you couldn't have planned this next thing. We go to get an award for the film in London at Sports Writers Dinner. Um, that's after we've got the award at the Theatre Royal. Um, get off the train at Euston. Who's working on the platform? <laughs> Tony Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> So I got to Neil. Oh, that's fucking Tony Kelly. <laughs> He's got his fucking heart thing on. <laughs> Don't realise I go, but I you, Tony. I you, boss. All right. Fucking hell. <laughs> you. <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> and after that, everything, everything where we turned to, and there was something could happen. Oh, he's, and he's, he's an autograph hunter as well. And he won't take no for an answer. It's a bit like the start of the film. He makes his way from Scotland back to Stoke-on-Trent by going into churches yeah. and getting a lift from the vicar. And if the vicar can only take him to Carlisle, he takes him to Carlisle. Then another vicar takes him from Carlisle <laughs> to fucking Southport <laughs> and Southport to fucking Stoke. And that's how he got back from the circus. Uh, and how the writer did it was fucking brilliant. How the writer managed to get all of our stories into to making a film of it and and then of course winning uh winning up after um but yeah. it was all just filmed in different locations obviously but still the same yeah. same theme was attached it's brilliant to it. i can't, can't uh, recommend just if anybody's not seen it just think if it had not been raining that day and everybody else would have stayed uh, there <laughs> yeah. 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 you know what i mean as daft as it sounds yeah. it would have been a nice bright day yeah and everybody would have stayed I asked Didn't... Griff about him, Andy Griffin, and, and Griff was at Newcastle at the time. Yeah. And he said Nello had rang him up and said, oh, I'm, I'm passing. I don't know if he was somewhat going to the circus or yeah. coming back from the circus. He ended up staying with Griff three days. <laughs> Just outstayed his welcome. You'd never get rid of him. Couldn't get rid of him. No, you'd never get rid of him. <laughs> you got, got a fridge full of food, Griff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not when the circus comes to Stoke. He's there at every performance. The two o'clock performance, the five o'clock performance, the seven o'clock performance and the nine o'clock performance. Same performance. He's there. Just watching it. Yeah. Yeah, he's... And if you ask him about any circus, is it any good, Neil? Brilliant, he'll say. It could, I mean, for all I know, it could be crap. But he, he just... Ah, he's a fucking funny fuck. I was doing MUTV one day and I could hear my phone vibrating in my pocket. Uh, and it kept vibrating, it kept vibrating. I was getting annoyed because I was trying to concentrate on what what's coming to me question-wise and 
what's happened in the game. So we go to a break and uh, it's still vibrating. So I take it out, look, and it's him, right? So I said, fucking hell. So I go to the break. I said, Neil, you need to hurry up. What do you want? Um, where are you? So I said, Old Trafford. He said, when are you coming back? I said, oh, about fucking two hours from now. Um, I said, Neil, just tell me what you want. And he goes, fish, chips, and mushy peas. <laughs> Wait a minute, Neil. You've got a fucking chip shop round the fucking corner from you, and you want me to stop at that chip shop and bring you fish, chips, and mushy fucking peas? Yeah. Oh, and some pop. <laughs> what did I do? Fish, chips, and mushy peas? And a fucking bottle of pop. He got him. It worked. It worked. <laughs> he's just great, great, great guy, and, and he's not funny at all, but he's funny. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He's, doesn't mean to be funny. He doesn't say funny things. <laughs> his, his mind's not clicking away at 100 mile an hour. He'll just... Uh, great guy. And he's still as loyal as... as ever. He'll ring me up and say, hey, did you see that in the paper? What they said about you? And I'll say, what's that? And he, he might have got it slightly wrong and he, he thought it was derogatory and it wasn't. You've got to explain to him. That, that isn't derogatory, Neil. That's just... But he's... He's alerting you every time he sees something that he doesn't like, like back to George Andrews, way back at Stoke, <laughs> many years before that. He's just always got you back. Yeah, and as soon as I left, they got rid of him. Really? Madness. Got rid of him, couldn't see the funny side of him because we are professional. Fuck off, professional. Was you sad to leave uh, Stoke? Obviously, it's, it was an opportunity you couldn't turn down, managing Celtic. Oh, yeah, I couldn't. I knew it was the wrong time. I knew it was the wrong time. Uh, when I left, I, I, I'm doing the wrong thing here, but it's Celtic. Um, might, no never money. Get, might never get another chance. Never get another chance. Mm -hmm. No money, no nothing. Uh, team, and I knew, I knew a lot of them in the team. Um, team just wasn't good enough, but I still thought with a bit of help, a bit of support, you'll be able to get some players from somewhere, but they had no money at all. Um, make it even worse when I was there. Club was taken over. I was just, I was in the wrong place at the wrong time. That happens. Happened to a lot of managers, happened to a lot of players. Mm -hmm. A lot of players, especially. It must have hurt being at your club for it to be that wrong time. Yeah. Then. And, and, and uh, I wouldn't leave because it was at Celtic. And the smart thing would have been to leave. He didn't want me there. I was, I had nothing at all to do with him. He had nothing at all to do with me. He didn't pick me as a manager. I didn't choose him, certainly didn't choose him as as the owner I wanted to have. Yeah, yeah. It just all happened. But if I if it had been anywhere else, I'd have said, right, I'm off. Got Gone. Yeah. But because uh, it's Celtic and, you know. So return to Stoke, was that a no-brainer? You've, you've had the success there. Um, going back to Stoke? Yeah. Oh, that was a, a no-brainer. Went down to a board meeting and... and um, Got got the job. Started whenever I forget when I started. Could you bring Nello back when you when you returned? No, he'd, he'd been gone and um, things had changed. I forget what he was doing. <laughs> he joined the circus. Yeah. <laughs> he had a, be he had a better off. job than that. <laughs> it, was, it was two in America. <laughs> uh, but it uh, weren't possible. No, no, it's just um, the tad. They'd had, because uh, 
after I left, they got rid of him and, and they probably had a, a period of time of um, things changing a little bit with, with personnel. A lot more people at the club as well yeah. than there was the time before because it's only, it's really in the last 20 years that clubs have ramped up the staff they've got. They've got more staff than, well, obviously, got more staff than players. But there's, you know, um, no, but he was always there. Oh, and always will be there. I, I yeah. just, I know that with him. That's a great thing about him. <laughs> are you as proud of this as you are, you are your football career? Um, what, you're, what you're doing and what you're achieving here? Has it given you a new lease of life? Uh, no, I was set, and still I'm set, and working at Old Trafford when we get back to. So I'll be out of here on a Saturday, which I've got to be honest, that is a that will welcome, <clears throat> welcome break for me. Um, what I have learned is that you've got to you've got to be here to make those decisions, because if you're allowing other people to make it, you may get it wrong, or they may get it wrong, or they may favour somebody that's involved in some altercation. Mm. And if they like somebody better than they like the other person, they'll come to me and say, oh, he did this last night. And I've experienced probably 20 or 30 occasions. That's not what it was, pal. Yeah. It was, there was a fight down there and he hit him before he said anything. And then by the time we got up to here in vision of the staff office, he's had a couple of kicks at the other person and, so no, it didn't start off down there the way you've told me. Things like that, you know, you've mm. that is the best reason that I've got for being here for a fair amount of time, let's say. I've got to get I've got to get decisions. But just this being here in general, you must be my so proud. Mm. Um because you were sat on the settee. You sat on your settee about a numbers of homeless people and, yeah. then, and then there's this from that in Five, that moment, five years. Made, you know, you've made yeah, that, yeah, that decision. Um, I've always thought that you know, football though, you're relying on, you're relying on other people. You're relying on results. Uh, I suppose it's the same here. You're you are relying on other people, but I'd like to rely on myself in here. But and you're looking for results. I'm not so much focused on that or worried about that anymore because I now realise the results um, compared to feeding them, clothing them, and putting a roof over their head. Those are three more important things. Yeah. You just hope that, you know, over a period of time, people do move on, that are ready to. I think you, well, I, I think you can be incredibly me. humble about what you've done, especially here and in your career. Well, I stumbled onto but, these, you see. I just, I'm not a, I'm not an internet person, but one night I was on the internet and I looked uh, and just saw these. The and pods. I thought, Pods, yeah. Pods. And I just thought, if ever I moved from the place we had down there, which I knew we'd have to move sometime, which was terrible. It was a, three dormitories. There was 18 people in one dormitory. No bigger than this to the end of the wall there. 18 people in one, 18 people in another, eight females, um, one television, one remote control, aggravation at the weekend, who was watching which. Oh, fucking hell. It went soaps on Monday night. <laughs> Yeah, all that way. So when we moved, I thought, right. Um, and if I hadn't stumbled onto them, obviously I wouldn't have realised that these could work. And if I hadn't been fortunate enough to be an ex-manager and hadn't picked up that phone to the League Managers Association and asked them for 40-odd televisions, that wouldn't have happened. And the first day we came in, that we opened, 
I, I stood up there and I thought, everybody's left me here. There's nobody in here. You could hear a pin drop. But they were all in the pods, all watching television, because they had never been privy to, on the streets, never been privy to having a television. Mm. So all during the build-up to Brexit and all that, they wouldn't have had a clue what Brexit was all about. No, neither did most of us, anyway, and we were watching it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, you know what I mean? So what's happening in the world? Who's died? Who's got... Who's been slaughtered? Who's whatever? Not not in their heads, but now you can you can tell when we come out and get the dinner at night. They end up they're talking to one another about. Did you see that? Did you see it on the news there? What's happened? So at least they now got conversation into the yeah. the daily routine stuff that we all probably take for granted. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, but Lou, thanks. Thanks yeah, for all your incredible. Thanks no, for having us. Thank you. Letting us see what you've got going on here. It's. It's inspirational. Yeah. Where, where have you all come from? Barnsley. Barnsley. Barnsley, yeah. Barnsley Leeds. Yeah, Bolton. Incredible. Thanks really for coming. Is. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow-up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's best bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A-Malibu.com, code GLOW.